It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. Today is everybody's favorite episode. We'll be talking quarterbacks. All right, so Nick Nick uh, tied me down, made me talk quarterbacks this year. So <laughs> he, at least it gave me a reason to start um, diving even more, even deeper into these guys. Um, definitely a different year, like with the Steelers not needing or not necessarily needing a quarterback, especially in the first round. Yeah, uh, have tried to stay away from quarterbacks uh, more so than probably in the past six, seven, eight years, just because I went overboard last year. I think I watched like over a hundred games, so it was definitely a it was definitely a much needed break. But I I enjoyed watching. You know, I tried to watch at least three games of all these guys over the past like week or two. So um, it was still fun to you know see what my, see if my takes like matched up what I saw live and all that stuff from over the summer. So. First off, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's all about the grind. And, uh, you know, the funny part about quarterbacks is, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's, in my, it's in my Twitter bio. I talk about quarterbacks way longer than I should, and I watch them way longer than I should just because yeah. I want to check my boxes when it comes to it. And also this class is just a lot of fun to watch, so I'm really yeah. looking forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree there, too. Um that was like last year. Like, man, I was every pretty much every, you know, potential draftable guy. I thought for from a Pittsburgh perspective, sat there and watched. You know, almost every game that I could find. You know, some of those guys, like the bigger name guys, Pickett, Ritter, uh, Willis. I ended up watching. You know, over ten games of each of those guys. And I just think the quarterback position, man, is such a tough one to evaluate. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone feels great about their quarterback ev- evaluation hit rate at this point, uh, especially in recent years. But, you know, I, I think just there's so much that goes into that evaluation um, and trying to, like, weigh the traits and everything is is definitely difficult. So yeah. um, I'm excited to see – I'm excited to see if I get lucky and see if my hit rate is good or bad this year just based on that I've done a little less homework than I traditionally have, especially compared to last year. So, Sometimes less is better. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, maybe that's how I'll convince, you know – my bosses or my future bosses about, Hey, maybe I don't need to watch as much. Uh, no, nah, but I'm excited to get into it. Just some overview of the class. I, this is a good quarterback class. I, I don't know that it's like, um, it, maybe not like 2020 Trevor Lawrence class. Good. Um, but definitely a good class with, um, a considerable amount of upside in my opinion. Um, the depth in this class is okay. 
there are some guys on day three that I can I think can be like high level backups. Um, guys that I personally won't talk about in my top five, but you know, the Clayton Tunes of the world, the Jake Hayners, um, guys like that. Like there, there are guys that I think are functional backup quarterbacks in this class. And like we'll get we'll get in real depth, real deep about um, you know, the top guys in the class here shortly. But um, do you agree with that? You like the class overall? I like the class overall. Um, I'm a little higher on Hayner than you um, when it comes to this, but uh, in terms of like day three, you know, day three guys, you know, guys like Dorian Thompson Robinson are really intriguing uh, options because yes, especially because they've improved year after year. That's a kind of guy like Brett Coleman tweeted it. I I was thinking about it like the day before and I was just like, man, DTR would make so much sense for Seattle. And it like, they have a situation where they can develop a quarterback like that and they don't mm-hmm. have to pick high. Like DTR would make a lot of sense for them. Yeah. I actually think he makes a lot of sense for a lot of different places. Uh, I, yeah. I think he's an interesting ad. It seems like, you know, most places, you know, he's being mocked on day three. You know, I think a swing like that, you know, for a guy that's that experienced with, you know, noticeable tools, uh, just under a little undersized, but um, let's jump, let's jump into our rankings, man. I'll, I'll let you go first with your, uh, your number five quarterback. I'll give I'll give a quick honorable mention shout out to Tanner McKee, who I do not think is a PFF merchant, but I don't think he's as good as you know PFFs thinks. Um, in pa- if this was like 2000, he might have been like number two, number one quarterback in some someone else's class. Watching Stanford is one of the most unenjoyable experiences I've ever had in my life. I've i they run this slow mesh that Wake Forest does. And when they're doing it with this tall, lanky quarterback who's not like very nimble or athletic, it's just it's just a disaster to watch because he does all the like traditional stuff well. Pocket manipulation, like pocket manipulation, is fine. It's getting worse because of how much pressure he's faced throughout his career. And then you look at how he throws against leverage, his arm strength, his anticipation. There's good things to like there. It's just it's hard to bet on a guy like that nowadays because of the pocket, the pure pocket passer, the unathletic guy going almost the way of the dinosaur. So I thought Tanner McKee deserved at least an honorable mention shout out. Um, number five though, for me, Jay Kaner. I personally did not think his senior bowl was all that impressive, especially the game. There are aspects of his film though, that are really hard. that are really like, you can fall in love with the film, like the UCLA game in 2021, the Oregon game in 2021, the Oregon state game in 2022, like just play games where he was just willing his team to spots where they shouldn't have been in the game. Like I've seen this guy make throws. He has incredible anticipation and understanding of leverage. He, can he has a way better arm than he gets credit for like he can hit like 60 down the field he can hit like 20 yard outs relatively well i'm not sure he's going to do it in the league consistently but you know you know he can he gets good juice on the ball and he has good um mechanics in terms of being able to get his back hip through consistently and i think Kaner he has that gamer to him a lot of people are calling him the next Brock Purdy I think he's a lot better than Brock Purdy was, but I also thought Brock Purdy had a very minuscule arm for NFL standards. And I think Hayner's is a lot better. He's got 
he's not as nimble as Purdy is, but there's definitely some gamers, some playmaking trades. If you're looking for like someone kind of similar to Bryce Young later in the draft, I think if you if you lose out on Bryce Young, taking a guy like Hayner as a potential guy, not not necessarily to start, but to put heat on your quarterback in front, I think that's a really good idea overall. Yeah, I think Hayner is going to be a guy that's probably going to go in the third, fourth round. Yeah, um, see does that. that sound about the right range? Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, obviously, Hayner's been around for a long time. Uh, definitely a notable name in the college football landscape. I know Dane Brugler is really, really high of the athletic. He's really high on Jake Hayner, and he's mentioned some of the same stuff about, you know, having some Bryce Young kind of playmaking traits, the way that he manipulates the pocket. He's he really kind of, good over the middle of the field. Yeah, he is, something. especially for, like, a smaller quarterback. Like, yes. he's, you know, not um, – the typical NFL size or frame, but yeah, I, I like Hainer a lot. Um, he would, he would be QB six for me. Um, as far as McKee, it's just hard for me to get on board with him. That's like you said, bad. the, the offense that he plays with then is, it's funky traditional pocket passer. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that he could be a backup in the league, but like, I don't even think that I like him as much as I like Davis Mills just from like a processing standpoint. So that would like, that's the type of tier that I could probably see him being in terms of like where I would view him as far as like a starter or a backup. So spot starter maybe um, in the league, but I definitely think like backup is probably more likely there, but um, my number five quarterback is actually Hendon Hooker. So I don't think, Full disclosure, I don't think that Hooker would be much higher than this, even if he was healthy. So I know some people say that that is different for them. It's not really that different for me. And I'll kind of get into why, but um, he's a guy that got better and better each year. I feel like the move to Tennessee was extremely smart for him. He was a perfect fit um, for that vertical passing attack. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, He's not scared to push the ball down the field, you know, gets a lot of touch on that deep throw. Um, he's a dual threat guy who can be used in design quarterback run game, but he's also enough of an athlete to escape the pocket, use his legs, and he's going to be be someone that the defense is always going to have to keep an eye on. Um, especially when you're playing like man coverage, you're going to have to be aware that he could tuck the ball and run. So, um, like the quick release, I think he you know can work the RPO stuff fine, especially in the league. Um, I think he's an excellent decision maker. Probably one of his best traits, if not he's his best trait. Um, you know, he did get away with some interceptions I saw just in live viewings, but largely like very clean decision making overall, just rarely puts the ball in harm's way. Uh, mechanic, mechanically sound, you know, his upper and uh, lower body are almost like always attached together, um, you know, gets lined up to his throws, you know, and generates, you know, good velocity from his lower half. I just I think for better or for worse, Hooker plays within the design of the offense. So wherever, whatever the intent of the play is, like if you were wanting the ball to go to like a certain concept on the left side of the field or to a certain receiver, like he is going to get the ball to that person. He'll get, the, he'll get it there on time. Um, but that's also a little bit of my, some of my concerns just go over him as a prospect. I think he's a good athlete, but I don't think he thrives out of structure. Like he doesn't really make a ton of plays. At least he didn't in the games that I watch um, outside the pocket as a passer. 
Um, I just, I think that he can be a little bit robotic in that regard. Um, the other big concern for me, way too many sacks. The Tennessee offensive oh, line man. was a good offensive line, man. And like, he wasn't pressured a ton, but man, he just took so many sacks where it's like, dude, we've got to get rid of the football, throw it at somebody's feet, throw it out of bounds, um, do something. But Every report that has came out, like of him at the combine, him at the senior bowl, has said that like he's an incredibly smart quarterback who has played in multiple offenses, not just this Tennessee offense where they got those like wide splits. That's going to help his projection or transition to the league. Um, but again, like this Tennessee offense is completely drastically different than anything he'll see in the NFL. Like it just it, it, this offense does not exist with the amount of space that it just inherently creates. Um, and then just, you know, obviously the ACL injury. Being a 25-year-old rookie coming off an ACL, it's just a hard sell. Like, I, I know people are going to say, like, you know, if you miss out on the top four quarterbacks because there's going to be more than four teams that, you know, want a quarterback in this class, like, where can you take Hooker? I, I don't know how you take him higher than, like, like – I don't think you can take him at the top 50. Like, I, I think that he has um, starter ability – um, I'm not sure that he he's ever going to be anything more than like an average starter, even at like if everything kind of comes together for him. Um, but, you know, I definitely think there are traits there and he's a really talented kid by all means, like high character, too. So um, someone that I'm rooting for heavily in the league. But um, I just think it, uh, expectations need to be like tempered about like, you know, just his general upside, in my opinion. So. Pretty much agree with you completely. Um, one of the things you mentioned, sacks. That that was the biggest hang-up for me because he would constantly, like whenever he exhausted his reads or like even when he had the open guy, yeah, he drops his eyes consistently. It's, it's, a, it's a huge issue overall. And I thought in terms of his middle of the field passing, I thought he missed high way too often. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very concerning trait because – it doesn't show up just this year. It shows up prior years, and it's something he has to work on overall. Yeah. Because, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Because it's like, I'm not necessarily sure if it's tied in mechanically, because, like you said, he is pretty in sync most of the time. There are tendencies, I guess, where he can get a little straight leg. So mm-hmm. that, definitely, yeah. that definitely might be a factor in that. Um, you mentioned the character. Henry Hooker's character is impeccable, and it's definitely something I like to keep in mind with quarterback evaluation, especially after Jalen Hurts. But the biggest difference for me with Henry Hooker and a guy like Jalen Hurts is Hurts was a lot younger. He went there was a huge stage of development, you know, that went on with him. And I'm not so sure how I feel about being like in a position where okay, this guy's ready to start. He's 29 years old now. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, that's, so. yeah, it's, it's very tough. And that's, that's what sucks about the uh, COVID years, especially, but you mentioned the other offense. I have not watched the Virginia tech tape and that's something I definitely want to do at some point yeah. so I can get a full picture because the wide splits are, it's the well, easiest offense to execute. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like even the inbreakers that he's throwing, like in that offense, they are not always in the middle of the field, like necessarily because the wide receivers are starting so close to the yeah. to the sidelines. So it's definitely a different, um, you know, it, it's going to be a transition for him. But but I like Cooker. I would one hundred percent bet on him in terms of like um, if I had an older quarterback 
who was like maybe a year or two away from retirement or, you know, potentially we, we could be moving on um, to develop, but I don't necessarily either have the means to spend a first round pick or I can't get up there. Maybe a team like Minnesota. I don't, I, that was maybe a potential fit, you know, for them. I, I know they tried that kind of with uh Kellen Mond and that did, you know, didn't really work out, but I don't know what they're wanting to do with cousins long-term, but um, we'll kind of go to my number four guy. Uh, which is Will Levis. I, I struggle with Will or Levis's evaluation for a couple of different reasons, and I'll kind of explain why. But as far as the positives, um, NFL frame, I think the number one thing I love about his game is like he is just tough as nails. He will stand in the pocket, take huge hit after huge hit, pop right back up. He is unfazed to contact. Um, he's just tough as nails. I mean, I don't think you can, especially if you watch this year's tape. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's poised, he'll deliver throws under pressure. Uh, I mean, I wrote I wrote down. I said can can launch the ball over mountains. I mean, the dude throws the ball like sixty yards like effortlessly. Doesn't even really need to step into it. Um, arm strength's a significant plus in his evaluation. Hair trigger release um, can throw from different arm slots generates a lot of velocity quickly um, top tool arm talent for the position for sure um, just think he drives the football really well he loves working in the middle of the field on the end breakers and I think that's one of probably where he does his best work um, he's played in an NFL offense before in that like kind of McVay system back in 2021 this year's offense was in my opinion not a good fit for him stylistically they didn't run nearly as much play action, which is something that I thought he did extremely well in 2021. Um, he offers mobility for the position. There's some quarterback design run game stuff. I think that you can utilize at the next level, particularly in the low red zone area where you can run some like quarterback power, quarterback draw stuff with him. Um, and he, he could scramble too. Um, he does have a propensity to invite contact because he is such a physical, strong dude. Um, he doesn't always protect himself in the open field, and I think he's got to do a better job of that. But in terms of concerns, um, the interceptions, I think, are what a lot of people point to in terms of decision-making. I think some of that is overblown, but it's still a concern to me. Like, I don't think it's necessarily like a fatal flaw to where, like, I'm just not interested in him as a prospect. Um, but the, there are some questionable decisions on tape that I saw, too. Um the biggest thing with him that I just am extremely concerned about is the internal clock within the pocket and natural feel for pressure is non-existent. Like yes. he is completely oblivious to free rushers, to blitzes. Like it's concerning on tape. I get a leads, lot of Daniel Jones vibes with, with that. Yeah. It leads him to taking unnecessary um, kill shots in the pocket that he could otherwise avoid if he just he just doesn't feel pressure very well and um, you know in terms of the accuracy um, it's fixable it's not going to be easy I think the footwork is inconsistent and there are times where he just doesn't get lined up to throw particularly when he's throwing to his left um, it's all that the just, combine especially yeah, yeah just not not accurate enough consistently um on throws to the sideline, he'll miss either where he's throwing late or he's missing inside, which is very, very bad in the NFL because cornerbacks are a lot more athletic. They're going to pick that ball off and take it the other way for six. So um, some concerns I still like Levis as a prospect. I think that the 2022 version of him is 
what I would say is probably the floor for what we're going to get. Um, you know, not saying he's going to be as good as he was this year in college in the NFL, but like, I don't think that he could have been put in a much worse situation. I like the playmakers that Kentucky had, but they took a significant step back on the offensive line this year. And um, it kind of highlighted some of the struggles um, for him in terms of just that internal clock and that feel for pressure. So I can agree with you on that. Um, I'm a little uh, conflicted on the 2022 versus 2021. While I thought scheme, it's, a, it's a different player in my opinion. So, I'm a little I'm a little hesitant on that because for me when I watch Will Levis I think he lacks a lot of anticipation just consistently I'll just notice like outbreakers inbreakers he's just he takes like he takes a few hitches before he like he's wait like he's a see it throw it passer in most of his games that I've watched except for one and it's the old miss 2022 game where he was just like he was throwing it well before guys broke. He was actually manipulating with his eyes and his body. Like there were things in that game where I was just like, where is this all over the film? Why is, why is this so, why is this like an enigma compared to most of it? And that's one of the problems I have with Will Levis is I think eyes wise, he's, he's a, he's a bit of a slower processor. He can get full field. But I think in terms of his accuracy and the lack of anticipation, you count the pocket presence. Like, I think there's there's too many concerns for me overall to get on board. That said, I do not think he's going to outright bust. For me, I think he has a lot of Daniel Jones um, type ability where he's going to stick around the league for a while and Something I don't think a lot of people know about Levis, if you go back to his uh, Penn State film, his mechanics are completely different. They are not the same at all. He used to have so many issues with synchronization that would cause the ball to lose a ton of heat whenever he would throw deep, whenever he would throw it on the line. And I noticed that and I'm just, you know, they almost like changed his mechanics more. So he had more of a golfer stance and it helped him overall because he got a lot better velocity. He has a little bit of like a, I don't want to say like, like an, he has like a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers type of like mechanic going on downstairs overall, but there's, there's issues with accuracy, anticipation, pocket presence to the point where there are just quarterbacks. I like more. Will Levis is my number four. And I think there's a teardrop between him and the next three overall. And the best I could see for him is like a, is like a second, like is like kind of like late career Carson Palmer type of thing when he goes to a second team. Cause I could see that type of outcome with him as he fully irons out his game and, you know, everything's come together for him because right now I don't see it with him overall. There is one game that will stick in my mind, and it's the Ole Miss game on what he could become. Yeah, I uh, I think that Levis needs to go to an offense that is very similar from that McVay tree. I, West Coast, for sure. It's got to be West Coast. Like, I think that he does his best work in the middle of the field. He likes throwing in the middle of the field, but like you said, the anticipation is a little bit hit or miss. I, I probably 
don't have as many concerns as you do in that regard. But I, I will agree that it's not it's not nearly as consistent enough. I think Which, the anticipation stuff over the middle is better than it is. Like he anticipates in breakers more than he does outbreaking routes. I agree which on that. Odd. Um, but I do think that like he has obviously the arm talent to throw in tight windows, like at the NFL level, like that's not going to be a concern. It's just the fit for him is going to, is going to need to be right. And I think that they're, I think a good landing spot for him is Vegas if McDaniels can keep that job for another year because I don't know that Levis is a guy that would come in. Like I don't think that he'd be a guy that could beat Jimmy G out, um, but I also think Levis could work a lot of the stuff that McDaniels likes to run. Like McDaniels like you know, really likes the digs and the end breakers and stuff like that. He'll let you work play action off like heavier personnel um he's cool with being run heavy too like I, I think that's a perfect fit for levis i just i don't, don't know if mcdaniels is gonna a have the chance to get him because he's sitting at seven right now he may go levis may go before him and th- then b like is is he gonna be able to survive another year in vegas so i'm just curious what games uh you ended up watching of levis since because i i actually want to keep watching a little more of him to see if the Ole Miss game is not an enigma yeah no i didn't watch the Ole Miss game that was not one. Let me go back and look at my notes here. Uh, while you're doing that, just a quick note on Levis overall. The big thing, you know, with me is it, it, you look at his superior like comps, like Justin Herbert and uh, like the Josh Allens of the world. He doesn't have the playmaker outside the pocket in terms of just being able to throw it like across his body 60 yards like Josh Allen did like while rolling to his left or his right and he's not as his he's not as consistently accurate or as much of an anticipator as Herbert is in my opinion so that's one of the hangups I have about the superior comps overall yeah the games I watched from from this past year were Florida and Mississippi State and then I watched the Tennessee game live. I watched the Georgia game live. I watched the Louisville game live. Um, and then I went back to 2021 and watched a couple games as well. Um, I watched the Georgia game from 2021, and I watched the LSU game from 2021. Those were two of his. I kind of wanted to see. Uh, I haven't I seen the LSU game. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't put any stock really into like PFF grades. I know some people do. I just. I don't they're just not a part of my evaluation for anything really. But I do like what I will do with prospects is like sometimes with guys like Levis that um, I maybe don't have as good of an opinion on as the consensus. I will check for PFF and like go to their highest graded games and see like what everyone else is like apparently seeing that I could potentially be missing. And then I'll go watch those games either like, you know, try to find YouTube or I'll try to find like all 22 of those games. Um, just so I can see, like, okay, what is the best ver- – what does everyone else think is the best version of this dude? And I I'll sometimes say that on Twitter, too. Like, what? A, like, I don't see it with this player. Like, what What do I need to go watch to get me yeah. to be sold on this guy? So, I, that's – you know, I like PFF stats. It's just the, the grade thing is just – it's just not for me. But I, I do use the grades in terms of, um, like, if I'm looking for a game, like, okay, I, I need a good game. Like, show, yeah. show me the way here. But um, – so he was number four for you. Who's number three? Anthony Richardson. Uh, big thing for me with Anthony Richardson, he gets a lot of Josh Allen comparisons. I actually see more Lamar Jackson in him 
in terms of his ability to navigate the pocket, especially when you talk about, you know, the, the traits when it comes to not only his athleticism, but I, the, the thing for me with Richardson, I think he's better from the pocket than he is throwing outside the pocket. I actually don't think he's very accurate outside the pocket consistently. He has those really nice, like playmaker ability plays where, you know, he was, there was the play where he's like rolling out on a boot action against Utah. He like pumps it, does like a spin, and then he like throws it to the like end zone. one mixtape type stuff. Yeah, like there's that. There's those types of plays, but they are like far in between because most of the time when he's he's rolling to his right, it seems like he's missing. But when he's playing from within the pocket, I, I'll tell you what. I I think in terms of his his manipulation, in terms of both pocket and eye manipulation. There is a lot of good things to see because he understands how to get linebackers out of, you know, to clear them out, you know, get them to widen out and, you know, throw to the middle of the field and anticipate. Well, he also can anticipate pretty well um, throwing those out routes. And so honestly, like if you talk about deep ball passers um, between the arm strength department, there's not really much of a sizable difference for me between Will Levis and Anthony Richardson because they both can hit those deep balls really well. And Richardson, there's some, there's some flashes of touch that go into like towards the back shoulder. That's really special. He hasn't been playing very long and you can see more of the upside to be more of a higher end type of guy. He might have less of a floor though, overall, because he's not as accurate. And that's one of the things he's got to work on. There are, but I'm going to say this right now. Florida's pass catching group is terrible. They are absolutely awful. Some of the drops on film, especially in the Florida State game, get, made me want to th- made me want to throw my laptop over the over the moon because that was it, it was it's so frustrating when you see a quarterback and their best throws are incompletions and it seems to be a trend with some of the best quarterbacks I've watched. Like when their incompletions are that good and you know, you people clip the, in, the completions more than anything. I, I like guys who take those chances, no matter what, even when their receivers are letting them down and overall, like, you know, with Anthony Richardson, he's, he's my number three. And I, I think there's a very, I think there's a very good argument for all these things three quarterbacks between how you rank them overall, depending on what you value. And I could see the argument for Richardson at two. I could see him, the argument for him at one. I could see him, the argument for him at three, maybe, maybe four, if you prefer Levis a little more, but, and you want that floor. But for me, the upside swing, give me Anthony Richardson, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, man. Like you mentioned that, uh, that Utah game, I, I thought we were, I thought we were going to get some really special fireworks after after watching that game live. I mean, I, I, remember. I remember, I remember watching that game that night, and I was tweeting like, "Yeah, this dude's hundred percent going first round. Like, I there, I don't need to see anything else. Like, he's going first round off the tools alone, regardless if he should or not." Um, and then he just went through that stretch during the season, man, where like it, it, he just could not build anything consistently. The offense is just muddied up. Um, I'll get to my thoughts on Richardson here in a little bit, but um, my number three quarterback is CJ Stroud. So I kind of like this one because I feel like we're we're definitely um, 
on the same page as far as the prospects, but I definitely mm-hmm. think like there's enough like variance to where like we can talk through some stuff with these guys. But uh, Stroud, what he does well, he does better than arguably any player that I can remember scouting from the quarterback position. Um, elite accuracy ball placement to all three levels. I mean, it's impeccable um, for a college guy. Throws with pace as, as much as you could possibly want. Um, the touch on throws is particularly in the middle of the field is incredibly impressive. Um, the ability that, to layer is just insane. Yes. The change up, the ability to layer is just, it's unbelievable. He's a pure pocket passer, but he's a, he's a big game hunter on offense. Like he, he likes to push the ball down the field. I think he pushes the ball down, more down the field. It seemed like more than previous Ohio state guys. Um, the deep ball skills are there. Um, and I think that he pushes the ball down the field more and better than the guys that he's consistently comp to from a NFL comparison standpoint. Um, the arm strength solid, and I think it's become a little bit underrated um, just in terms of like what he can do. He maximizes torque with clean mechanics throughout. Um, reps are consistent. Um, had a huge signature performance that answered maybe some big game question marks um, in that Georgia playoff game. The Georgia playoff game to me is one of those signature performances that I will not forget for like for any prospect Um, that Georgia defense just back-to-back years has been utterly dominant. And I thought that he was probably the best quarterback that they had played in, in a long time. So um, in terms of negatives or things I'm concerned about, I think he, He's I won't call him an athlete. Um, And what I mean by that is like he is just generally not a playmaker like by nature. And I think that um, is interesting because I know he came into college as like a dual threat guy. He is a good athlete. He has speed like he's not the most like I guess the most twitchy or the most elusive guy. But just as far as weaknesses, I don't think he's a statue like. Tanner McKee, Davis Mills type statue, but um, I do think he's statue-esque in the pocket, despite having more than uh, enough athleticism to play more free and fluid as an athlete. Um, he's just not a natural playmaker. Like, despite having like good speed, like he just he just doesn't do it, which is really interesting because I know he came into college um, as a um, like a dual threat guy, but he's just he just doesn't look comfortable really playmaking outside of structure. So. That really was non-existent up until that Georgia game. So it makes me confused on why he doesn't use it more because there were times where, like, not to say that he had a bad season, like he had a really good year again at Ohio State, but there were definitely times where I was like, dude, use your athleticism. Like, you you can do this, um, but he just doesn't. So, like, the flashes just aren't there enough for me to say like oh yeah he can definitely play make out of structure like he did it one game but I'm just I'm just not comfortable I guess betting on that one game even like a signature of a game as it was as great of amazing as a performance as it was I'm not comfortable saying that box was checked for me just because of how often I didn't see it on film um and then really only two real concerns that I have in terms of his transition was just the playmaking ability outside of structure. And then I just don't, he wasn't pressured very much because, you know, he has NFL offensive linemen playing all over that front um, two great pass protecting tackles. 
But like when he was, I didn't love how he handled that pressure, particularly with decision making in less than ideal pockets. Um, little can, can get sped up. That was the number one thing. I, I watched the Iowa game and I felt like that was a theme um, through stretches of that game where I just feel like that pressure, they were able to speed him up. And that concerns me a little bit because, you know, the numbers under pressure for him this past season, like 5.5 yards per attempt when he was under pressure, according to Pro Football Focus, it's ugly. And like you're, he's the guy that's going to go from being pressured very, very rarely in college to probably being pressured on, you know, 30% at least or more of his throws. So like how he handles that pressure at the next level will likely define, um, you know, how quickly he's going to be able to reach his ceiling. Um, so I, I really like Stroud as a prospect. I think that he can be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I just, but there are a couple concerns that I think have me um, at least a, a little bit more worried than I thought I was going to be about him heading into the season. I think everything you outlined is a is is very fair overall because if you watch the 2022 film, the thing with me with the the that I had issues with the 2022 film is actually how he was managing clean pockets. There was a lot of drifting backwards. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of instances where he would go outside the pocket. Um, there there are things there in terms of his tendencies that kind of scared me overall because he was making these unnecessary off-platform throws from within the pocket when he didn't have to. That's the 2022 film. Mm -hmm. There's There's a complete difference for me between Stroud in 2021 and 2022. And the biggest thing for me with Stroud in 2021 is the Georgia game is much more consistent on that, on that string of film. There are moments where he is under pressure a lot more because Paris Johnson's not playing as offensive tackle. He's playing a guard. There is a lot more pressure coming from his tackle sides, and it was forcing him to climb the pocket. And that's the thing I notice is when he has these things happening around him, he has the habits to go to. He has the instinct to climb. And that's something I like a lot in a quarterback. Yeah, he's definitely not a bailer. No, he's not. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about Stroud's game is I think his pocket movement overall and his his feel for pressure is not bad. The problem is the fight or flight. Because he tries to either step around and, you know, find the open space before, you know, the pressure can get to that specific spot. Or he tries to manipulate and then climb back into the pocket and avoid a guy because he doesn't want to take that contact as he's hit. That's something I felt was probably the most concerning is I didn't see a ton of throws where Stroud took a hit. And then I was like, wow, the, the pressure or like, or like, wow, the, the placement was like outstanding there on that throw from while he was getting hit. So that's the thing with me with Stroud overall. That said, it's very similar to a quarterback I scouted um, a while back and Justin Herbert because you watch Justin Herbert at Oregon. There was a lot of inconsistencies in how he managed the pocket. Some of it was the offense. And we talked about Stroud. Why didn't he move around as much? Why was he so much of this pocket passer even though he had the ability to make these plays out of structure? That's 
that's the number one question. It's a projection, and you see aspects of it on the film, especially the Georgia game. There's the Indiana game uh, in 2021. There was the Maryland game in 2021. Oregon game. There's a play where he's like getting sacked and he almost he like throws out of it. And you know, you don't see that in the 2022 film because he has these clean, wide open pockets. Yeah. And he makes these unbelievable placement throws. Like he calls himself a ball placement specialist, and he's not wrong. He's got that's this, what it is. Like it's it's wild. Yes, it's he's wild, absolutely dude. special in that regard. And you talk about the eye manipulation. It's it's special in that regard. He knows how to widen linebackers, get those safeties out of the way on those third level throws. And we talk about um, the ability to throw in the middle of the field. We the layer the ability to layer. It's some of the best middle of the field passing I've ever seen because of how consistently he throws over guys and in between these coverages. Like that's. One of the things I don't see enough with Bryce Young that's a little bit concerning for me, he throws around these coverages. Stroud can consistently throw over and in between, and it's something I really value, especially because the way Stroud throws, you would think he has a lot more velocity overall, and I think he does. I think he has this similar thing that happened with Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson, where everyone thought they didn't have great arms because they relied a lot on touch. When the the fact is, Stroud has a good arm. He can throw it deep really well. He can you know he can throw the long outs with anticipation and velocity at times. The big thing for me is the consistency, but there's so much in terms of good that he was QB one for me. And that's, it's the biggest difference between me and you is I looked at Stroud's film, probably the most out of all of them, because there's so many differing parts of his game. Each, each game that changes like the ability to make these plays out of structure. I think something he doesn't get credit for is his ability to manipulate out of structure. He un, he can like you know do these shoulder fakes to create space and then like throw on the move it's the problem with his throwing on the move and i actually thought this is interesting his gamer can get a like to him can get a little crazy cuz he tries making these throws across his body and sometimes the result is good but the process is not and you know i see that aspect of stroud i'm like okay I like that because he's not afraid to, you know, he doesn't, he's not a game manager in terms of tendencies. And I like that in a quarterback in terms of being able to do that. And you talked about the elite accuracy, but anticipation, not so much the anticipate. It's not consistent with the anticipation, but in the middle of the field, especially. Yeah. For me, I, that's, that's the type of guy I think could be one of the best in the league. Yeah. I I want to yeah the other another thing with Stroud um even though he was narrowly QB3 for me um I just we I say this as a as we're doing a ranking show but like it really just depends on what you want in a quarterback right like I I just how you value the traits and like what what you're going to ask them to do within the offense like matters so much I 
think that the floor for Stroud, like I, I know everyone uses like the golf comparison because of how well he operates within the structure of the offense, right? Like if you keep that's how golf is. Like if you keep golf protected and he can stay in rhythm and he has people to throw to, like golf is a good NFL quarterback. Like he will like the Lions had like a top 10 offense for the majority of last season. Like it's just when things are not as good around him, is he going to be able to, um, I guess, like elevate others? And that was like the thing that I kept saying about like the playmaking ability, like when things get tough and like things aren't maybe as great, um, especially early on in his career, is he going to be able to elevate others or elevate an offense by like year two, year three? That's just, I just don't know. Like, there's so many things to like on film. It's just putting all of those things together um, and getting more consistent playmaking ability. So, um, oh, you said second. he was number one. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So, that's the part I like is when he was forced into those situations in the 2021 film because he was facing it more consistently. That's, you know, he started making the right decisions under pressure in terms right. of how to manage the pocket and, like, you know, make defenders miss. That's, the big thing for me, I don't want Stroud going to a situation where he has this incredible offensive line. I think it would be better if he went to a situation where his offensive line is just okay. Yeah, so get then some he, experience. Yes, exactly. Rely on those good tendencies and then build them up. That's that's kind of how I feel. So where are we at? Did did you give your you give your number three? You gave your number three guy. I right, gave my and number Stroud three and number one. one. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give I'll give my number two guy. Uh, my number two guy was Anthony Richardson. Uh, him and Stroud, man, I debated this for a long time. I just it it was really probably the most difficult thing that I had to do within my rankings, uh, weighing like what I think is a very very high floor with Stroud in good circumstances with a unbelievably high ceiling with Richardson and. Um, just some of the notes I had on Richardson. Uh, he's a build a quarterback from a frame standpoint. Unprecedented physical gifts, um, elite combination of arm strength and mobility, um, very thickly built human being, strong in his lower half. Defenders just bounce off of him. Um, when he's in the pocket, he'll have defenders draped on his shoulders and he'll just kind of shrug them off when he's a runner. Uh, defenders Incredible will try to dive at balance. his le- legs, contact balance. He just, you know, shrugs guys off without losing speed too, which is just rare for a quarterback. Um, he's a really fluid athlete, just natural, natural athleticism. Um, I like the way that he manipulates the pocket. Um, he does a good job evading pressures. Um, something I like to note about quarterbacks too, is like how they step up in the pocket. Like some guys can some guys do have the mental capacity to say, I know I need to climb, but Richardson climbs with explosion and it helps his tackles out tremendously. Um, there are a lot of instances where I felt like he did a really good job um, where he would climb or, you know, maneuver around defenders, but still keep his eyes up um, for receivers coming up and down the field, uh, despite there being chaos around him. Um, the natural playmaking skills to stretch the field vertically. Um, his arm has absolutely no limits. Um, he can create splash plays with his legs. He had, you know, how many different touchdown runs of like 60, 70, 80 yards this past season. Um, you just don't see that from the quarterback position. Um, he can the make some, yeah, he can make some, the LSU run was unbelievable. Uh, he can make some off platform throws. I still think like you said earlier about him, um, out of structure, there are just concerns 
that match up with his in-pocket play where he just misses too many gimmies. Like, he will make three, four defenders miss, and then there will be a guy wide open in the flat, and he'll throw it at their feet. Um, but there's NFL-level concepts on tape, you know, flood concepts. Um, you know, he, he full-field reads. Like, he can go through his progression. He There's flashes of eye manipulation uh, to hold safeties in the middle of the field. Um, he was asked to do a lot in the offense, and I don't think from a – from a translatable trait standpoint from the quarterback position, I don't think that there was a lot around him. I would agree. I thought that his receivers were extremely over underwhelming. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, I don't particularly, the scheme itself asked a lot of him and their NFL level concepts, which I appreciate, but they didn't give him very many gimmies. Part of that was he, he doesn't often make the gimmies. Yeah. Uh, the layups, man, like just accuracy was extremely concerning, mostly stemming from poor, me- poor mechanics, which honestly just look different from rep to rep. Like the everything except, you know, I mean, well, including sometimes his throwing motion just is different play to play. And it's just hard to be a consistent quarterback like that. Um, way, way, way too many misses underneath, like just misses way too many swings flats um basically you know the nfl has this thing called a no cover zone which is five yards like the nfl will give you completions in that five yard space defenders are comfortable coming up and tackling he just misses too many of them i mean they're free yards that defenses are giving you he misses way too many of them uh he doesn't have a ton of experience he needs to develop a change up he is a fastball only thrower um i think people are doing these comparisons and i said as a passer i think he's like a rawless chapman like there is only a fastball like that is what he's going to do. He just tries to overpower everyone, including his receivers um, and just the range of outcomes. Like as, as great as the physical gifts are, the upside is absolutely unlimited. It's, it's not that he's an elite athlete. It's that he's an historical elite athlete. Like everyone says like, you know, we're using like the Cam Newton comps uh, as an athlete um, as like a barometer for him. And Cam was unlike something we had never seen at that point in the NFL I legitimately think that like he's one of the three or four most athletically give gifted players we've ever seen at the position coming out of college. When you like when you put his arm strength, his arm talent um, and his just overall athleticism and explosiveness together. So the range of outcomes, like he's not a guy like, um Stroud or even Levis like you said like I thought you made a good point about like his floor being higher than I think some people realize I don't know like people said like Justin Fields like Justin Fields last year is that a is that a floor for Richardson I don't know yeah that's tough like as much as Richardson, like Richardson created so many splash plays as a runner this year which Fields in in college was more of a pocket passer like he really didn't want to run he just was running out of necessity uh in Chicago I don't know if that's a floor because I think Fields is a lot better of a passer than like even the Richardson was is coming out or into the league for sure um like I said just the range of outcomes it's a risk um but it's one that you know everyone always says like you know they want the next Josh Allen or they want the next alien quarterback, but then like when it's time to like, you know, pony up for the draft capital to take one of these guys or time to 
show the patience needed to develop these guys, they get real scared away. It's because like there's that in, everyone wants that instant gratification. That's not going to be there for Richardson. Like this is he is not going to come in next year and just be Josh Allen or be this like instant superstar. I would be floored if that was the case. But I think it could be a situation like with the right quarterback coach. He cleans up some mechanics. You know, he he starts, you know, getting himself lined up more. Um, I think that the, the sky is truly the limit for him. It's just about getting him there, which could take a little bit. Completely agree. I, I don't have too much shells to offer because I've talked about Richardson enough, but you know, you, you hit, I, I will say this about Florida's offense. I was very conflicted about their offense while they have a lot of NFL concepts in there. I thought there was way too many mirrored concepts overall for my liking. Cause there was so many instances where I'm just like, wow, this is the same it's exact, pl- this is the same exact play. And they literally ran it two plays ago. <laughs> and I was, it was just something to get through that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just curious on like, if I, I probably probably the best approach and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not going to do that this cycle just to be full transparency, but probably the best approach would be to start at the beginning of the season and then literally watch from the beginning of the season to the end of the year and see if like the lack of just easy throws underneath were in result of him just not hitting enough of them, particularly when he went through that rough stretch, like in the early to middle portion of the season. So um, I don't know. It's he's polarizing. Uh, I think that if you can't get behind the idea that like a general manager could fall in love with this dude, especially if he's doing what he's like, everyone says he's doing on the whiteboard, like at the combine, everyone was, everyone there in Indianapolis was saying that he was crushing interviews. Now I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know. Um, if, if he's if he's doing that, like, I don't see how you couldn't get on board with just the upside and the swing. Because here's the deal. Like, if he misses, he misses. You know, quarterbacks, even the safe ones that we talk about every year, like, sometimes they bust. And, like, the thing with Richardson is, like, yeah, like, he probably has a relatively high bust potential. Um, but if he hits a ceiling, like, how many guys in the NFL can do what he can do? I mean, I'm not sure that there's more than just – literally a couple like one to two so um interesting player man i'm excited to see what happens with him i i am rooting heavily for indianapolis to get richardson i think that shane steichen is the coordinator the play caller for him and i think that i wouldn't be willing to bet like if if my job was on the line i i I may be too much of a coward to pick him over stroud just because i I think that stroud's going to give you um job security because of what he can do if everything's good around him. But, um, you know, if I wasn't a coward and wanted to go shoot for the moon, I would probably go with Richardson. But um, I'll, I guess I'll give my, I'll give my number one quarterback. We, we can talk about this guy. We, we had the same guy, I think. Right. No, 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 no. no. You, you have yeah, young at two. Okay. I'll, yes. I'll let you go then. I'll let you go since he's two for you. So Bryce young is number two for me. And the biggest reason is I think he has the highest floor in the entire class. And that's going to seem weird because, oh, look at the short quarterback who can't see over the middle of the field. Wrong. This dude can absolutely anticipate well to the middle of the field. He throws around defenders really well. His anticipation is some of the best I've seen in college football in my time of watching, especially when it comes to his pocket manipulation, the ability to just like, there's something special because if you look at this 
like a few throws. Like there's this throw against Ole Miss where he's scrambling outside the pocket. And before he like gets past the landmark, he kind of gives like this little like hesitation and this like shoulder shrug. And then it gets the linebacker to stop. And then he, you know, he, he just continues running outside the pocket afterwards. It gives him just enough space to make that like ridiculous throw. And I don't, and that's the thing about Bryce Young. He understands manipulation to a T, both from the eyes, the body, and the pocket. Like, it's just, it's unbelievably special with what he can do. I don't think the arm is very good. I think it is very much on the lower end of the spectrum, but I do think it is NFL caliber enough. And I think, honestly, he has a lot more similarities to Tua than he does a guy like Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. Because Kyler Murray, he's that guy who didn't know how to reset himself when he was coming out of college. Every time he would step up, he would just constantly throw off platform. Bryce Young constantly resets. He's constantly throwing from the right platform because he has to. His arm isn't that good, so he has to he has to be able to do that. And I'll just say it right now, Bryce Young is the best field general in in this class as well the ability to just come up to the line of scrimmage the way he manipulates his cadence consistently like there's just so many good things with Bryce Young in that regard I think the accuracy is a little overrated with him I think there are like in terms of placement and some misses there are more on film than you'd expect and I think it has a little bit to do with how tozy he is from the pocket he I think he does this out of necessity. Like he stand, like he stands almost like upright on his toes when he's in this pocket. I see it a lot, like in just in pictures, just like looking at games. Like it's something he has to do to be able to, you know, see over the middle of the field. And he might not be able to see, but he anticipates really well, and he he damn sure makes me convinced that he can work in in that part of the field because it's his best aspect by far played in an NFL system with Bill O'Brien. I don't really know what much else to say about him other than I just don't think the upside's very high. I think he's very much a complete, he's like where he should be. He might get a little smarter with schemes, but overall I just think he has the highest floor and that's why he's my QB too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You, you hit on a lot of, um, a lot of the obvious, you know, positives, especially with Young. I mean, um, the terms like floor general, point guard, you know, very relatable terms for Young. I mean, just a magician in the pocket, unbelievably poised. Um, thing I absolutely love about him. This is like mental makeup stuff that matters a lot to NFL teams. And probably one of the hardest things for us to measure from like our perspective without knowing them as people. But just he just never seems phased when things get tight whether that's um, under pressure in the pocket or when the game script gets close in the end um i I go back cool yes he's got he's got this joe montana to him almost i i go back to this is a game that will like forever be like ingrained in my mind but like that 2021 Ole miss or auburn game excuse me yes iron bowl like they were literally just lifeless offensively and there's like 30 seconds left in the game you know, um, they're down. I think they're down seven. Have to get a touchdown to get this thing to overtime. And like he drops back and drops like just an absolute. 
dime down the right sideline. Uh, I think it was to Corey Brooks. Um, but, and, you know, then he just takes over from there. I mean, just what he was doing down the stretch in that game was like, you know, a superstar bucket getter in the NBA that like is just willing his team to win. And that's literally basically like what he did down the stretch, despite like, you know, three plus quarters of just ugly play. And I, I, I appreciate his ability to like bounce back from stuff like that. What's really like, you know, fun about uh, Bryce Young's film. You know, a lot of people talk about the shrouds 20, you know, his game against Georgia. Mm-hmm. The thing about Bryce Young, his game in the SEC championship was a good one too. It was it, it was a legendary performance, but also the, the game in the national championship when his receivers were going down, he was making like these throws in the right spot, and his receivers, God for God help me, <laughs> they would not come down with these throws. And it honestly, like I think it's the reason why Alabama did not win a national title with Bryce Young because his receivers just let him down in that moment and the injuries piled up. Yeah. I don't. And this is just like full disclosure thing too, because we've talked about surroundings and supporting cast for all of these guys pretty much. I do not think Alabama was that talented on offense this season, like especially in comparison to how Alabama normally is Um, the receivers to me, I thought were below average, especially for like how many high recruits they had. I think Brooks is, potentially an NFL player, but I don't think he's a number one. He's definitely not a number one or two number wide receiver, at least in terms of what I've seen on tape. Um, and then just like the guy that they got from Georgia, Burton, like I think he's underwhelming. Like it just – there was just balls clanging off of guys' hands like all over the place this year. Like maybe not necessarily drops, but just like no one could make anything like sort of like a highly difficult catch. And But just – Back to him as a player, too. Um, I think he's a good decision maker. Um, he generates enough velocity from different arm slots, a quick release. Um, very good in the RPO game. Um, just overall, I think he's an accurate player. Um, I don't necessarily see the Drew Brees accuracy that some people are saying, but, you know, he can vary tempo, and I think mostly the ball placement is um, – is good, particularly in the middle of the field. He does, like you said, uh, work the middle of the field more than like a lot of the other short kings out there. Um, but NFL offense, full field reads, moves safeties with his eyes. Um, just the negatives. Um, or one more thing. I think I, I have this highlighted, so I want to make sure that I say this. But um, elite creativity uh, yes. throughout out of structure. Um, you know, some players – just like I said, like some players just don't naturally have that ability when things are, you know, chaotic around them to function and like young thrives in it. It's, it's actually like, it's uncanny. It's definitely not something that can be taught. Um, And like you said, I think that gives him a a floor in the NFL because like, even when things aren't around him, like, you know, that he's not going to panic. He's going to remain poised. He can make, he can play make, um, He's a bucket getter, like, and that's something, uh, you know, a way that I've kind of described his game for a long time is like, you know, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily need things around him to be kosher in order for him to succeed. And that's why he was my quarterback one. Uh, Just in terms of like the negatives with him, obviously size, I don't give a damn what he weighed in at the combine. He is not no 200 pounds. (laughs) He, he 100% was playing at like 190 and like, Look, wasn't an issue. Like he he had some like minor minor injuries in college, but overall, like 
injury is not an issue. He does a really good job of protecting himself. He is a playmaker, but he's not a runner. Like there are times where you wish he ran even a little bit more because um, I don't think he's overly fast or anything, but like, you know, he, he left some easy yards on the field just because he like wants to keep his eyes down the field. He wants to throw down the field. Um, but he does a good job of like making sure that he doesn't take square hits. Like I thought that that was an area that he improved with this year because in 2021, there was a couple big games where it was like he was landed on the line, and I was like, dude, you were like 175 pounds, so what? You can't be taking this hit. Um, yeah. The play style, um, he's a playmaker. There are times where he doesn't always want to play within structure, um, you know, and that's just something you're going to have to live with. He will hold the ball. Um, there are some like Burrow esque moments in college where I'm like, bro, you're passing up um, maybe layups or, you know, uh, shorter shots to set up like big plays like it's a little too much big game hunting but um the physical tools are solid i just don't think they're like you said the arm i probably maybe like his arm maybe a little bit more than you do but from what it sounds like um but what's the upside with that like the elite elite quarterbacks in the league pretty much all have above average to elite arms with the exception of like burrow and he you know obviously a lot smaller is he going to be that anticipatory thrower with like burrow is like burrow has turned into this surgeon um with anticipatory throws and i don't know that young's play style is gonna get there and then just like he's he's just unconventional like there we have never seen a prospect like bryce young he's a historical outlier with size with weight with play style even i think um, just for like his physical tools and how he wants to play make. Um, so that trans that, that translations a little bit, um, you know, it's different. I, I think it's not going to be for everybody. And I, I can see the concerns uh, with him, but um, overall, I think you're going to get a good starting quarterback at the next level who offers you, you know, a floor. So long as the size concerns don't manifest themselves into something bigger, um, I'm just, I don't, I don't, he definitely doesn't have the upside of a guy like Anthony Richardson though. Like I, that, that's, and that's the thing that I think if you're a team like Carolina that just moved up to the number one pick all the way from nine, like you have to be able to weigh those things like with um, the positives, the upside and the floor for all three of those guys that are on the top of our list. So. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's the thing about Carolina. They're going to have such a tough decision, even though it seems like they're really set on Stroud, but oh no, they're set on Richardson. And it seems like Bryce Young is like the one being left out of the conversation for them at number yeah. one, which is interesting. Is, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting overall. And, I would, I, I think my favorite fit, I know I've said this about the uh, several of the quarterbacks in this class. Um, my favorite fit for Stroud is, or for Stroud is in Carolina with Frank Wright. I think that that would be an excellent fit for him. He will get the most out of him. Um, probably the most passer that Reich's the most talented, in my opinion, because I've never been a Carson Wentz fan. Um, he's the most talented player that Reich would have the opportunity to coach since Andrew Luck, just in my opinion. Um, but I would really like to see. Um, young in Houston too, uh, with that, that their office coordinator coming from that Shanahan scheme. I'm interested to see, um, how young would operate that offense um, Yes, with some of those inbreakers, some of the things that they like to do, um, maybe seeing him a little bit more under center too. Um, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, man, it, it's a, it's a good quarterback class. Um, 
I think we went a little bit longer on it than we were anticipating, but yeah. such is life. Uh, like you said, your bio says talk about quarterbacks way too much, but um, <laughs> it was definitely uh, – I'm definitely in the same boat, so I can't even say anything. But uh, it was a good – it was a good, uh, definitely a good episode. Hope you, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, please make sure, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Talk. Uh, Nick and I will be back next week. If there is a specific position group that you'd like us to go over next week, let us know because I don't think that we've actually decided what we're going to talk about next week. Um, so looking forward to getting back into it, um, look at a different position um, over the next couple of days and hammer out some final link, final rankings. So um, that'll be it for us for this week. You guys have a good one. Peace. Peace.